Welcome to the Sober Heathen Podcast. I am the Sober Heathen Man. I went ahead and tried to do some editing and some, adding some things to the podcast. So I hope that intro looked pretty good. Um, new music. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing some editing. I'm doing some things I said I'd never do. But uh, here we are trying to make it a little bit uh, more appealing to the eyeballs. And uh, for those of you that watch. So uh, those of you that are here with us um, already, thank you. Um, I'm going to go right into it, man. I'm going to bring Daryl in. Daryl's our guest. Daryl, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you yeah. for the invite. Yeah, man. I, so I'm excited to hear more about this. I, I, I haven't seen a lot of your content until we kind of met and I'm reading through it and I'm, I'm really digging. Hey, what, what did uh, Dennis Miller always say? The cut of your jib. <clears throat> so uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. What, uh, what, a little bit about your story. Sure. Um, grew up in the Midwest, uh, great state of Michigan. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I was, you know, raised in a very blue collar family and, and, you know, um, raised with my dad was a mechanic, uh, Navy veteran. Um, you know, it was a fairly tough environment. Um, you know, I'd say my mom, my dad was a tough dude, but my mom might have been a little bit tougher. So, you know, uh, and whatever it is, what it is, you know, we grow up how we grow up. So I have no qualms with anything in terms of how I grew up, but, you know, a quick story on, um, you know, just getting sober and that sort of thing. It was, it was, uh, you know, I was young when I first took my first drink and, and quite frankly, it was the best day of my life, probably up to that point. You know, I was a, I was a, I was a decent kid you know, and, and I was taught a lot of, you know, the right things, I think. And, and, uh, except for, you know, how to, how to have self-esteem and how to, you know, feel good and all that sort of stuff. And, and that's fine too. Like, you know, at some point we have to take responsibility for learning all that ourselves. So, so, you know, I progressed from the drinking to the drugs and, you know, to the dealing and, uh, you know, just got in trouble and, and did things that were completely against the grain of, of what I was taught and me and, and my life. And, you know, when I, when I share my story, I think it's most important, at least in my opinion, um, and it's different for everybody and that's cool. Um, but, but, you know, we all, in, in my opinion, you know, we relate on the level of, uh, emotion and and where we were from that perspective and where our heads were and and uh you know i was a miserable insecure um troublemaking kid who was just heading downhill real fast um and uh, when i was 18 i was confronted and and um you know it just like hey you really need to go talk to a drug counselor this and that and i I was wavering. Should I do it? Should I not do it? I was scared to death. I didn't want to tell anybody the truth. I was, you know, just not in a good spot, obviously. And, uh, and I ended up going to do it and I talked to him and I was planning on lying to him and I, he intimidated the hell out of me. I was 18 years old, you know, I was a kid. So he intimidated me and I told him the truth to the best of my ability at that point. Um, and you know, whatever that was. And at the end I was like, what do you think doc? And he's well, need you put you in, put you in drug treatment you know alcohol treatment so anyway uh that's just after i turned 19 and um you know been 
been doing my best to live ever since. Wow. You know, it's incredible sometimes that you talk about, you know, connecting an emotional level, man. It, it, that could have been my story. The only thing that would have been different would have been I drank, didn't drink until I was 21. But the self-esteem issues, um, they were there. Um, I was always, though, I was in my family, I was always the good kid. I was going to be, oh, well, you know, he's the favorite. He's the favorite. You know, it's goody-goody or whatever. <clears throat> but the, there were things going on inside of me that I didn't have anybody to talk to. And once I tasted that, just like you said, you know, it was quite possibly the best feeling of my life. You know, that I think I think the, the big book does say that pretty well, the ease and comfort that came with that first drink. Man, that was that was something else. Yeah. It it was. I, I you know, I, I was 13, I think, but um, I was at a little party and there were high school kids there and I was there with a friend of mine who was the same age as me and you know I, I remember just feeling that sort of euphoric feeling and then um but, but it started me you know doing something stupid it was I started throwing peanuts in this kid in high school's drink and I did it once and he's like yeah okay whatever and I did it twice and he's like you know what you better knock it off I did it again and and he was ready to beat the hell out of me so you know it was just and you know, then the super stuff just goes from there. So um, that's just the way it goes. And and anyway, so so now now we're sober, right? And that's the that's the interesting part. Like, you know, what do we do? Right. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm getting some uh, comments here real quick. And just uh, I, I don't know what's going on with my sound. If there's an issue with it or not. So hopefully we can make it through and, and have it not uh, be too much of a distraction. Um, yeah, do the best we can. So you wrote a book, and the joy of getting my, my head out of my ass, that really uh, stuck with me, too, because I had a counselor um, who, your first day in treatment, you sat down in this chair in this group room, and he put on these plastic gloves, and he said, you know what a colonoscopy is? And uh, everyone's like, yeah. And he's like, all right, undo your pants. And so you're sitting there, and you're like, do I undo my pants? What is this freak doing, you know? And so most of the guys, they unbutton their pants while they're sitting there, and he comes up behind them, and he grabs them by the head with the gloves on, and looks at the group, and he says, uh, what's he got? And, and everybody that's been there for a minute, they know to say opterectolitis. What is that? A shitty outlook on life. <laughs> what does he need to do? Pull his head out of his ass. And that was kind of your initiation. So talk a little bit about the book, man. Uh, you know. The joy of getting your head out of your ass. Talk a little bit about it. Um, you know, it's 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 my story. It's my journey, um, my path, and it's it's told through the stories of my life. You know, from from being young to um, you know till today, basically, um, and you know, it's about it's about dysfunction. It's about addiction. It's about uh, taking risks. It's about recovery. It's about freedom. Um, life, you know, how to, for me, how, how I was able to have a better one than, you know, than I had before. Um, you know, how to come from a tumultuous sometimes and, and, you know, fairly humble beginnings to a life that honestly, I, I wake up every day and and I love, uh, you know, and, and I think that's, that's the key. So, 
you know, it's it's about winning. It's about losing, mostly losing. It's about a lot of failures, um, you know, and and a few successes. And and uh, I, I the most important part to me about the book is, you know, I'm not a preachy guy. I'm not I don't care what anybody else does in terms of how they conduct their sobriety. You know, I I just what I wanted to do was tell my story. And if that helps some people, you know, which is my intent, um, my intent is giving back. And, uh, you know, that's that's what I want to do. I want to help some folks. So, yeah, yeah. I, I you know, um, I'm not a writer. I can barely put a resume together. So I chose to do the podcast and I started out by just doing exactly that, just telling a little bit about my story and just getting it out there. And I don't know about you, and I'm sure you have, um, you know, every little response that you get from somebody saying, hey, I really appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate your vulnerability, man. That just, that really just means the world. And, um, you know, so you, you made this decision and and, and your journey started in recovery at 19, man. That's, that's a, that's a really young age to do that. Um, What was, what was the biggest influence on that to make that decision that young? You know, I, I, it was interesting because I, I don't, that's it, a hard question to answer because I didn't know what the hell was going on. You know, I really didn't. I was, I was so young and, you know, making that decision to go into treatment, um, you know, it was basically going to treatment or just be disowned by a lot of people that cared about me. Um, you know, from that's, that was my perspective at the time. And, you know, when you mix that insecurity with, um, you know, wanting to please people and wanting to not get caught and wanting to, you know, portray this image of, well, he used to be, you know, fairly intelligent. He used to be decent in sports, you know, that kind of thing. Like, like I didn't want to let anybody down. So, um, you know, that was a big thing for me. And, and, and so, you know, the, the decision was almost, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And the, the frame of reference I had was one of my buddies who went to treatment for, uh, I think it was when he went to a six month treatment. And, you know, as soon as he got back, he was with us partying. That was my, that was my frame of reference at that point. Um, and so, so I went and the, I always like to say the two things I got out of treatment were one was AA and the other was hope. The other was hope that I didn't have to be miserable. I didn't have to, you know, have my head down. I didn't have to, you know, always be around someone and be partying to feel good. I didn't always have to, you know, just, just hurt. And, um, and, and so the hope was a big thing for me that, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to actually try this. Yeah. Hope is such a huge thing. And when you can find it, you got to grab onto it. And that's, you know, I think that's why it's so important for people to focus on every positive that you do every single day when you're trying to beat this thing, you know, um, and then Austin Powers, fat bastard says, um, I eat because I'm unhappy and I'm unhappy because I eat. Well, I drank because I was unhappy and then I was unhappy because I drank. It was like a helpless, we talked about this last time live. It's like a helpless trap. You know, it's like, I, I, I couldn't figure out how else to live. You know, I didn't know how to live without it, but I wanted to live without it, you know. And so, yeah, it's it's man, it's it's such a battle. It is, you know, it's and, and you know, the, the battle is certainly, you know, there's the big 
sort of gorilla in the room, right? With the drinking the drugs. And then you put on, you put that stuff down, you know, however that happens for anybody. Um, and then the, you know, the, the rest of the lifelong sort of, uh, and I don't want to say battle because it's a battle for, for a while, but then it becomes less of a battle and then it becomes less of a battle. And, you know, um, and, and that's, for me, that's the really cool thing about sobriety is, is, you know, I can, at that point, when I put that stuff down, then I have the opportunity to, to build my life, um, you know, to, to uh, help myself with my life and to seek help with my life and to listen and to be humble and to not think I know it all and all that sort of sure. stuff. And, you know, it's all just learning over time, right? I mean, yeah. I, I think a big thing for me and even, even podcasts, like it's, I'm not a, I'm not a public facing, <laughs> facing guy. Like this is not an easy thing for me to do in terms of just, you know, I'm not this guy. So, but I like doing it because it makes me uncomfortable, you know, and, and instead of just shirking all of the discomfort, which is what I used to do, which is what my life was about. Like, let me just get away from the discomfort. You know, it helps sometimes to, to embrace it. And especially if the intent um, is to give back. And I think that's, that's the important part for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, being humble too. Yeah. I like that. You know, when I first earlier in my recovery, not that I'm that far in there, I, I'm, you know, I'm not years and years and years. I'm, you know, I'm coming up in a year and a half, a little, maybe a little more now, but um, awesome. when I, when I start, when I started, I dove right into AA. You know, I've showed my 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 big books on on, on social media before. They they look like rainbows with all the tabs and the highlights and all the stuff, you know. And when I first got in, I thought, all right, I have to let everybody know how much I know about it, and I have to regurgitate all the lines that are being said. And then so that became a, a kind of exhausting, or that became my for a minute that you know for a couple months that became my thing. And then I started to struggle, and then I got back to okay. I don't know is one of the best answers that you can possibly say when you're having an, an honest conversation. And <clears throat> I try to, I try to live by, I don't know, because I want to learn more. And that's why, you know, um, on my, on my account, I've got back and some back and forth with some people, um, but they might be right because I don't know everything. So I want to have these discussions, right? It, even the tough ones. So, yeah, I, I think being humble is uh it's absolutely important. That's, that's really cool. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm such an advocate. I, I love telling the story and um, I think it's a really important one in terms of, it was certainly in terms of my sobriety, but um, you know, and hopefully it helps some other folks, but, but there was a, I'm pretty sure it was a Friday night meeting at the community center. And this was, you know, back in, back in Michigan <clears throat> when I was just getting sober and uh, there was this, this uh, older gentleman named Jimmy and he was, you know, he was older. He was, he was uh, kind of a, you know, fairly slight dude. He was a little hunched over and, you know, his age was definitely showing and, you know, just a, but he was like, at that point he was like 40 years sober. So all of us young clowns, you know, which we were at that point, I mean, many of us wanted to be sober. Some of us were there for other reasons, I think, but which is fine. Um, you know, people do what they do, but, but Jimmy was, was kind of like a deity, 
to us, you know, we're like, holy crap, you know, and, and, and that was pretty cool. But, but he was the only guy in that meeting that would, you know, go grab the coffee pot halfway through the meeting and start filling everybody's coffee. And, and it was the coolest thing ever to watch. And I think about that and, you know, there's these little things that stick in your brain forever and ever. And that's one of the things that has stuck in my brain forever and ever. But, but one of the things that he used to say around the tables which goes back to humility was he said, if you really want to be sober and you want to stay sober, you have to stay small. Mm. You you have to be humble. And, and I think about that all the time. I think about staying small, you know, and, and listening and understanding that everybody has something to teach me. Um, And sometimes in the disagreement is what I need to learn, you know, and, and, you know, and, and not that I necessarily need to sit there and have arguments with people, because I'm certainly very capable of that, but I don't, <laughs> but I don't want to, you know, and, and, but, but there's got to be a seed of something in there that I'm at least willing to listen to. Right. Yeah. I, uh, there's a, there were three questions that that same guy who did the, uh, the head removal exam at treatment, that he said to ask when you, you know, because our emotions, they kind of come to the forefront, right? That's part of the reason why we chose the path that we chose to begin with. So he said, ask yourself these three things when you when you, when you you think that you need to start a confrontation. Question one is, does it need to be said? So if you answer yes to that, then you go to question two. Does it need to be said by me? And then if you, you can honestly say yes, then you go on to question three. Does it need to be said by me right now? And so unless you can answer yes to all three of those, then wait, let the, let the motion get out of it and revisit it, you know, later in the day or, you know, 15 minutes later, because a lot of times that can change. So I, I really held on to that too, um, in my approach of, of, you know, in the, in the discussions. So I, I like to call them discussions. I like to, you know, cause that's my intent, but some people look at it up as other things, but <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's something that I've carried with me. So no, I, I think that's cool. And I, I you know, I, I've I've done, you know, as we all have just, you know, a whole bunch of stuff in terms of, you know, life stuff since I've been sober. And it's, you know, and normal people sometimes even say that, you know, like like, hey, let the emotion come out of it, you know, let the let the air out of it uh, before you respond or before you say something that, you know, is fueled by emotion. I think that's important. And, you know, I've had to have people temper me over the years a lot, Um, you know, in, in business with, you know, I'd, I'd get ready to send an email because I was pissed about something and I'd have somebody with a, you know, a, a clear mind, read it for me. Should I send this? Like, no, you should not send that, you know? So, so I agree with you 100%. And, and what your, you know, that counselor said, I think it's, I think it's true. And I, you know, I'm, we can all do things that are, you know, either, either, you know, sort of with our grain or against our grain at any given time. And we know, you know, we know if we're, if, you know, we're fueled by, I know if I'm fueled by emotion or fueled by, and I need to just settle the hell down. So I, I couldn't agree more um, with that. I think it's important. So we don't, you know, we don't drag somebody into our, you know, or I don't drag somebody into my chaos, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, <clears throat> kind of made a rule for myself on X that like, if you hit send, 
you let it sit and then you deal with it because you need to learn if if it was emotionally driven and you know and i wasn't thinking clearly i i need to learn what other people say so but if i don't hit send i've deleted so many posts i get on there i see something and i start to comment and i'm like mm. i kind of go through the questions and then i delete it um so that's been something that's helped carry me um and doing the podcast has been something that's carried me so now that you've got the book written the book's been out there um you know what do you do what's what's your go-to these days that uh keeps your recovery the strongest for me it's um and you know this a lot of this stuff is in hindsight right it's you know i sure. look back and i say um sometimes there's things i didn't even know that i was doing that was you know helping me strengthen uh, my recovery but but as i look back now i say you know, if I, if I was going to say to somebody, you know, what do you need to do? It's it's build a life that you enjoy and build a life that you love to the best of your ability. Um, and that's, you know, and it's not it's not me building stuff outside of myself. And, you know, sometimes that comes along with it, but it's me building inside of myself. So so to, you know, answer the question, it, it it's it's exploring. Um it's writing, you know, I, I have, I have, uh, you know, a, a good relationship, um, with my higher power as I understand him. Um, you know, and it's not anybody else's and, and I don't, I don't want it to be anybody else's and nobody else probably wants mine. You know, it's, sure. it's, uh, it's something that works for me. So, so the things that I do are, you know, I can be a pretty, um, you know, I have a busy mind. I'm, I'm always looking to do something. I have a type A personality. Um, you know, I may appear fairly stoic, but I'm a maniac, you know? <laughs> so, so for me, I have to settle myself down and, you know, I, I really do. And, and so, you know, I've, I've learned how to do, you know, different ways to breathe. I've learned how to do meditation, you know, there's just, and, and, and I'm grateful, you know, I think probably the biggest thing for me is, um, every day I, I go through what I'm grateful for and that's just part of my morning. Um, yeah. and so I don't forget. So, so if I do that for long enough in my life, um, it just becomes a thread that's woven into the fabric of me. And, you know, I think that's, that's crucial, um, you know, for a, for a, a healthy, happy, you know, and I don't like the word happy. Let's just say contented, um, yeah. uh, you know, a contented sobriety and a contented life where there there is no thought of drinking or drugs or going back to anything like that. There's just not because. Right. Anyway, I'll, I'll leave that there. No, that, and then the, I like to ask that question and I know it's a hard one to answer, but that's the point. Like you, I want people to understand that what worked for Daryl and what worked for Scott some of it might work for you, but you got to knit your own path. And, you know, you got to, you got to blaze your own trail. Um, and it's really hard to pinpoint. It. And that's really frustrating. It was really frustrating for me when looking back now, the honest people were telling me that, you know, you have to, you know, yes, there's certain things that you need to do. You should go to some meetings and, and talk with your peers. You know, you should, and early on the steps really helped me um, get through some things. Um, therapy really helped me, uh, with some things, you know, so those are, 
those are some building blocks that you can get to it. But, you know, um, I've, I've struggled tremendously uh, at points. And then there's been times where I even forgot that I was an alcoholic, you know, for, for periods of time, you know, like it, I walk through the store and I'm not like looking to see how many bottles of peppermint schnapps are on, on the shelf anymore, you know, like, <clears throat> and then, you know, I get back in the car. I'm like, Oh yeah. I didn't even look, you know what I mean? Like that, that was something that I used to do. So kind of planning out my, my adventure. So it really sucks for somebody early on to be told, here's what we did, you know, take it or leave it, give it a shot. Um, and when is it going to happen? It's, it's so different for everybody. Right. And that's hard to hear, but I think that's the message. If they hear it enough, you know, I hope people can take a little bit of peace with that and say, okay, all right. It's, it's, it didn't happen this fast, but it happened this fast for this guy. It's coming. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. No, I, I would not try to bestow my way of being sober and, you know, on anyone, cause it may not fit their life. It may not fit them. I mean, you know, there's, I agree with you. There are certain building blocks and I've, you know, I've read the big book 6,000 times and I've, you know, the 12 and 12, like just, just eat it up, you know? And I, and I did that for years. Um, and I went to, you know, meetings for, for years. Uh, when I first started, I was going to, you know, one and or two a day, you know, if, if I could. Um, and, and, you know, that was very important to me. I think, you know, one thing I think is important, uh, you know, when somebody gets sober is is to find someone that you would like to emulate or be like. And that's how it worked for me. And it may or may not work for somebody else. But but my sponsor, his name was Bud. And and he was um, he was a guy that was actually he said to me and he's the reason why I titled my book the way I did. Um, I'm sure he told me my head was in my ass. There's probably no <laughs> doubt about that, but, but he did say to me, you know, when I was res wrestling with something, struggling with something like, you know, my God, how do I deal with this? Or how do I do this? Or, you know, how do I get out of this? Or why am I feeling this? You know, just fight and fight and fight. And he said, Daryl, when you stop fighting, the fighting stops. And oh, yeah. that, that is why I entitled the book that way. But but when I first met Bud, I saw in his eyes something that I didn't have, which was there was peace there and there was humility there. And he his sincere desire was to help other people around the tables. And, and you know, he was probably 15 years sober at that time. So, you know, I, I listened to him and, and I wanted to learn from him. And I, I think that's an important, you know, part of it. Um, but, you know how long has it been since I've been to a meeting? It's been a long time, sure. um, you know, and, and that may not work for everyone and that may work for some folks and that's okay. I, yep. The only person that has to answer the questions about what works for me is me. Yeah. And the only person that has to answer the question of what works for them is them. You know, right. it's not, there is no set, um, you know, program for everybody. Yeah. Cause there's no two lives that are exactly the same. So there's going to be some differences, even with as many similarities as you can find. You know, I, I find it fascinating, and this is why I love having guests on, because you were talking about um, this gentleman and, you know, the look in his eyes mm -hmm. and the, the calmness. And and he told you to stop, you know, uh, the fighting stops when you stop fighting. Um, 
there's been a lot of people that influenced me. But when I first started this podcast, one of my first guests was Rich Sullivan. And I use his full name because I don't think that he would mind. But he's on he's on X, and he's highly involved in the in the recovery community, and uh, he's become a really good friend. I've never seen Rich face to face, only in pictures, right? And he's in Georgia, by the way. And just talking to him, we kind of developed this good friendship. We talked on the phone, we text message. There's a the way he approaches recovery. There's a calmness in his voice. You know, you saw the calmness in this dude's eyes. There's a calmness in Richard's voice where, and this is not a bad thing, he takes life seriously, but he doesn't take it too seriously, right? Like, it's like, brother, let's just live, man. You know, you've been through enough. Stop stop carrying the weight, you know? Just, there's just such a calming piece for him. And when I started this podcast, the reason why I've kept going is, is partly because of his encouragement and, you know, the peace that he brought in the discussion. So, you know, again, <clears throat> how do you find that person? By just keep looking. And there's somebody out there that's going to give you that connection you need. I truly believe that connection is the opposite of di- addiction. And the more connections, the more healthy connections you have, the stronger you're going to be. Could not agree more. Yeah, I've seen a lot of Rich's stuff. I've never talked to him, but I do um, follow, we follow each other on X and I, and I love seeing the things that he says. And and I agree. I mean, you know, it, there's a part in my book where I talk about the ass kicking machine, where we just beat ourselves up for, you know, things that, oh, I'm not doing this right. I'm not doing that right. I, you know, and, and that's a hard place. That's a tough place to be. And that's, you know, that's part of the fighting. And that was a big thing for me when I was, when I was, you know, earlier in my sobriety, I would, I would beat myself up like, oh, I'm not supposed to think that I'm not supposed to feel that I'm not supposed to this. I'm not supposed to that. And, you know, until I lightened up um, and and my my sponsor, Bud, was very instrumental in helping me do that until I lightened up about life. um, You know, it was it was not a great thing. It was you know, it was difficult. It was very difficult to to keep my head and, you know, when I, when I don't have my head in the right spot and, you know, and, and it's mostly the head, I mean, the heart is certainly plays into it, but, but when I don't have my head in the right spot, I'm, I'm in danger. I'm in danger of doing something that I um, may regret. So I agree with you that, you know, life is, I'm a serious person, but, you know, I'm, I'm generally either smiling (laughs) Either smiling or laughing on the inside. It may not look like it on the outside, but you know, like I, yeah. I just I don't take life that seriously, um, unless it comes to you know how I treat other people and and you know how I how I am in the world. That's that's important to me. But little petty annoyances and and BS, uh, I'm all set. I don't have time for it. Yeah, there's a there's a word that uh, I heard in treatment that I really like that I used to awfulize everything. Everything that would happen, I would awfulize it. Oh my God, this is terrible. Oh my God, what? why did I do that? Oh, I forgot to do this. Oh, and just, just compound it and just beat and beat and beat myself into submission. Um, we were doing a live last night and somebody said, sometimes you got to get, uh, you got to let go of what was and step into what could be. And so... It was uh, a couple of people probably laughing at me now, but um, I think it makes sense that just kind of came out, you know, um, 
there's a lot of what could be. And I was looking, uh, there was something popped up the other day about people um, that made great inventions or um, I don't want to say it was the Ford. I don't think I want to say it was Henry Ford. It might have been, but didn't start. Uh, they didn't start these businesses until they were like in their 40s or, or, you know, so and then look at what they've what they've created now. And that's one hole that I go into. It's like, OK, I'm 42. I'm eight years from 50. Uh, so I'm going to be 50 soon. But when I look at like the weekend, it's Monday and the, the weekend's five days away. That's that's so far away. But the eight years, you know what I mean? That's just I know a lot of people's minds work that way, but I know that's how my mind works. And that's how I can trick myself into making some really stupid decisions. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm a little older. I'm 58. And, um, uh, you, know, you look great, man. <laughs> uh, thank you. Uh, I mean, it takes time. It's just, it's, you know, being, and, and, you know, there's a, there's the, the answer for me is always in the middle somewhere. So I can be really difficult with myself or I can be too easy on myself, you know? And, Ooh. and so, so there's, there's probably an answer somewhere in the middle of that, um, you know, where I can, where I can, uh, you know, do the best I can do today. Um, and, and that's all I can do, you know, and, and sometimes there are days when I don't feel like doing my best and I just want to, you know, lay on the couch and, and be a vegetable, you know, or whatever, like I, and that, and, and I have to be able to give myself permission yes. to do those kinds of things, you know, and I, I think one of my favorite words in the English language is, and I recently discovered this is, is the word allow. I, I have to allow things to be. I have to allow myself mistakes. You know, I have to allow myself some space to, you know, if I feel like not doing it one day, then you know what? I feel like not doing doing it one day. And I have to allow that for myself. And, you know, it's a lifelong process. So, and it's easy to want, you know, for me, I want what I want when I wanted it, you know, especially when I was younger and, um, uh, you know, and it all comes, it really does. You know, I'm such a fan of continuing to explore, you know, and, and I'm talking about, you know, inside me and outside me, but continue to explore, continue to try new stuff, you know, continue to, to do things that I haven't done. And, and for me, you know, the path unfolds, the path uh, shows up for me. Um, yeah. and, and that's how it's happened for me for a long time. And, and that's, you know, part of the things that I'm grateful for. Yeah. Yeah. Allow is a good word. Um, mine, mine is intent. And we kind of, I think I've mentioned that in one of, uh, on one of your posts today. Like if I'm going to lay down on the couch because I need, I need that day. I know what my intent is. And my intent is to, to get that rest that I need. And other people are saying, oh, you're lazy or this and that. That's, that's on them. Right. Um, we, we, we react to things. Uh, we don't react to things. We react to our perception of things. So somebody can walk into a room and see you laying on the couch and think, "Oh, lazy bastard." Well, they don't know that maybe you just got home from the gym, or maybe you're not feeling well or something. Look inside yourself. You can't lie to yourself, right? It is impossible to lie to yourself. So if I go into the bar because it's my friend's birthday, but I knew going in that I'm going to try to find a way to drink, you can't blame the birthday. Uh, being at a bar, right? That's a bad example. But my point is like, 
you know what your intent is. And if your intent is right, then you got to give yourself the credit saying, okay, you're doing all that you can do today. Yeah. I, I mean, <clears throat> it reminds me of, of, you know, part of the whole fighting thing, which, which, um, you know, as I thought more and more of the, about that over the years, you know, the path becomes a lot narrower and you had mentioned, we can't lie to ourselves. And I, hundred percent. I mean, you know, honesty with ourselves is, is paramount, you know, to, to having the life that we want to have, which, you know, if we, if we, if we have the life that we want to have, um, you know, we won't drink and drug again. We just won't, in my opinion. Um, so, you know, being honest with ourselves and, 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 and as the path narrows, you know, there are certain things that I can't get away with. And, and the first thing is, you know, the, the drugs and the alcohol can't get away with that. That, and that's the big, you know, elephant in the room when we first start, but um, even simple things. And this is just a little, a little story about the path narrowing, but um, you know, I, I, when I was a, a kid and I was just sober and, and uh, you know, my mom, like every once in a while, she'd, pull some tissues out of her pocket and, you know, one or two would drop on the floor and, and she wouldn't notice it. And I would just walk by it like, you know, not my problem. And, uh, and so, you know, and then I couldn't get away with that anymore because, you know, I had to, I had to pick that up and I had to do something with it because the path was starting narrow, you know, like, like things that, that didn't matter to me before needed to matter because I, I had to be honest with myself and I, and I had to, this goes into another story, but I had to become a useful member of society, yes. which is what what this this old timer used to say to me in Adrian, by the way. Um, okay. And uh, anyway, so he would say, "Be a useful member of society." And I think about that, and I think, you know what? I can't just walk over that, and I, I can't just go by without picking it up because because that's not right. And, and I need to I need to start doing things that you know aren't sort of giving me friction and, you know, having that little fight inside of myself. So I know it's a very simple example, but, um, it's a great example. And it's, you know, it's just the path gets narrower and, and the honesty with ourselves becomes that much more apparent in terms of, you know, what, what works for us and what doesn't work for us, you know, what we can, what we can allow with ourselves and then what we, what we can't allow with ourselves because, you know, we're going against the grain. So, and all that stuff shakes out, you know, over time, which is, which is really cool. People won't realize how important picking up those tissues are. I tell you what, when I got out of treatment, I finally found this job back in June. I was on cloud nine. I was out of treatment. I was in recovery. I'm working at a recovery facility, but I couldn't be better. And then as time went on, reality started to set in. And then you have, you know, co-workers that, well, they're co-workers. And their tissue story made me think of, like, I have a trash can in my office and I eat in my office. There's a trash can in the break room. And every single day I come in for the second shift and the thing is overflowing. And I look at it and I'm like, not my problem. I don't put shit in this thing. And I get irritated. I'm like, look at this. It's overflowing. There's, there's crap falling off on the floor. And then I'll walk away. I'm like, no, I ain't doing it. And then I walk away and I'm like, son of a bitch. And I go back and I take the trash out and then I put a new bag in it 
and and it happens it happens a few times a week man but and i'm not going to let myself go down that road of just if there's something that you can fix fix it and because it will build it will build on other things so that was i think that tissue story was a great story man <laughs> oh thank you i i related that story actually um and, and a friend of mine said to me, or actually uh, typed it to me, because that's how we communicate sometimes these days. But anyway, he said when he interviews people, and I thought this was really cool, when he interviews people, um, he will put a couple of you know bits of trash on the floor, like crumpled up paper or something. Ooh. So as they walk in the office, um, you know, if somebody picks it up, then you know they they have potential to be hired. If they don't pick it up, they don't. And, uh, and I think that's just cool as can be. That's outstanding. I really like that. Yeah. If I'm in a hiring role, I'll, uh, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I never would have thought of it, but I think that's, I think that's just a cool thing. And, you know, it's funny cause today we're, um, and I mean, just in this time, you know, this, the, the tissue story was when I was younger, but, um, in this time, and it sometimes it drives me crazy and it just makes me laugh, you know, to myself at myself. But but uh, we have these, you know, pillows on the on the on the couch. And sometimes they they uh, the feathers from inside just, you know, end up laying on the floor, or laying on the couch or whatever. And you know, they get dragged around the house and and, uh, you know, I'll walk by one and I'll do the same thing you do with the trash can. I'm like, oh, shit. I got to go pick that up. You know, like <laughs> I, I try to walk by it, you know, I'd love to walk by it. And then I, all right, dumbass, go pick it up, you know, just because right. that's the right thing to do. And, and, and I can't, I can't not do it at this point. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. With the trash, like I look at it as like, so you're, you're upset that they fill this thing up and it's overflowing and yet you're going to walk away just like they did. So what are you telling yourself? Yeah. Well, this has been great, Daryl. Um, you know, I try to keep it around 40, 45 minutes because, as you said, you know, we're a texting civilization these days. Our attention span is, is shorter and shorter. So I want people to um, be able to, to go to the whole thing. But I did ask if there are any questions. And TJ asked, let's see if I'm bringing it up here. Uh, did writing the book help you feel better about your recovery? Was it therapeutic? Or were you already in that stage? Maybe is what he's asking before that. Um, yeah, you know, that's a great question. I appreciate that question. That's, um, it was therapeutic and it was, it was, uh, surprisingly, uh, therapeutic for me from the perspective of there were a lot of things that I didn't necessarily remember or weren't top of my mind, you know, at that time, um, as I was writing the book and I started remembering stuff and, mm. and I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, that happened, or oh yeah, that happened, and, and it was it was really a. Uh, I'm a big fan of sobriety. Like a lot of sobriety for me was getting the garbage out and taking the garbage out of myself, um, yeah. and and letting go of some of those things. So, so it helped me to just you know sort of lay everything out and look at it and and remember things. Um, so from that perspective, it was it was very therapeutic, um, you know, feeling better about my recovery. Yeah, I mean, feeling better about my life. And, and, and that's, you know, from the perspective mostly of, 
now I can give back. You know, this is something that I feel like I can give back. And if, if I could give it away to the world, I would. And if it helped people, I would I would absolutely do that. Um, you know, unfortunately, I'm not in a position to, to give it away to the world. But but I will say if if somebody's not in a position to buy one, um, I will more than more than happily send you one. You know, if it's something you want to read about sobriety, whatever, um, you know, I would I would do that in a second. Did you prior to the book, did you have any um, journaling or anything that you could reference back to um, or did you do it all through recall? It was all through recall. Um, I used to write when I was younger, when I was in really bad places and I would just write to get things out because I had way too much swirling in my head and I was going to explode. Um, so I used to write from that perspective, but I, I threw it all away because I didn't want to look at it anymore. Oh, no. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I wrote it all from recall. Yeah, I, uh, my last two treatments, I just started journaling like crazy and I've pulled them out here and there and, and read a few pages. And sometimes the tears start flowing because mm. those pages remember the pain, you know, that, that were used to write those words, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, I don't, I don't necessarily recall them, but I'm so glad I did. And, and I hope I keep them for a long time um, just for reference, you know, and maybe one day I'll be able to say, you know what, I don't need these anymore that, you know, I, I don't need to reflect, but, um, right now, they're pretty important to me, and I still journal to this day. And again, that's something else that, you know, especially men that will be like, eh, uh, I don't know about having a diary. It, it, it's a journal, dude. Write write your stuff down, get it out, and then burn it. If you don't want anybody, if you're afraid somebody's going to read it, burn it. You know, I, I write in Elder Futhark runes, so nobody can read my crap anyway. So I'd say whatever the hell I want. But uh, I, I think that's so cool. I really do. And, and, you know, whatever tools work, I mean, that's, that's the point of, of life at some, at some point sobriety just becomes life and, you know, yeah. whatever works for life is what works. And, you know, it, it doesn't have to be anything anybody else does, but I think, I think, you know, journaling or just writing, I would take a yellow uh, legal pad and I would just start writing stuff mm -hmm. because because I couldn't stand it being in me anymore. And that was the relief. It, it allowed me yeah. to be, um, you know, to let some of that stuff go up. You mentioned, you know, coming to tears, if you don't mind, just another quick little oh, please. thing. Please. Um, so, you know, every once in a while, my wife and I'll go out on the deck and we'll do it. You know, sometimes I just, I get up at four in the morning um, or three in the morning or whatever. And, and I'll just go out and look at the stars and, um, you know, and I love that. And, you know, looking for uh, shooting stars and that sort of thing. And I'll just sit there and, and, and sometimes both my parents are deceased. Um, and, uh, you know, my mom's been, been gone for a long time. Um, but you know, I'll just sit there on the deck and, and I will, I will talk to them and I will, you know, listen to whatever they're trying to impart to me and whatever that is. And sometimes I'll just start bawling and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, so, so having those memories and, and it's not a sad thing. It's a wonderful yeah. thing. You know, it's, right. it's not a like, oh my God, this is terrible thing. It's, you know what, I'm, I'm grateful for everything that I taught that was good for me and everything I was taught that was maybe not so good for me, but you know what, they did the best they could. And that's yeah. where, you know, that feeling comes from. Um, and, and it's a grateful thing, you know, that, that I had my parents for whatever time I did. Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I had a brain fart. <laughs> it's all good. No, no, but I mean, yeah, whatever you can do to connect to those emotions, those healthy emotions. Like you said, it's not a bad thing. It's a healthy emotion. And to be able yeah. to connect to those things. You know? To be able to laugh for real and to, to not have to fake it, you know, especially for me, like going to a family gathering and all I want to do is get the hell out of there. So I go home and find the bottle that I stashed and mm. get back to it. You know, I, I, to truly enjoy things like my guilty pleasure is going to not to some, it might make me sound bad, but uh, Miley and I, we like to watch uh, WWE together. It's our guilty pleasure. So the Royal Rumbles tonight, we're going to watch that and it's going to be a good time and it's going to be a sober time. And I'm really looking forward to it. And so it's, it's those little things for sure. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. I mean, I, you know, I, I whatever, you know, it, it's yeah. it, whatever, whatever. Right. Like I, I, uh, I, yeah. I mean, that is just, that is just life and, and you know, whatever works for any individual I'm in favor of. I don't. Absolutely. I don't care who agrees with it, you know, and I, I yep. think that's awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's what we try to do here. I know Lindsay does the same thing when we have people on, you know, we're trying to show so many pathways, even the, you know, the ones that are similar and then ones that are completely different, you know, um, I just, anything that we can put out there that somebody might hear and, and grab onto to give them another day of, you know, another brick in that foundation. That's, that's all that matters, man. And that's why we do this. So thank you for coming on and sharing this, Daryl. Um, so at least one person saying that your book is on their list. So I'm going to pick up a copy myself because I'm looking forward to reading that. Um, and again, thanks, man, for coming on. Uh, by the way, who you got in uh, the Niners Lions game tomorrow? Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, Obviously, yeah. I wouldn't have asked that question if it was, if I knew it was a Niners shirt under there. <laughs> but, yeah, go yeah, Lions, uh, baby. Excited, man. Thanks so much for having me, Scott. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed our discussion very much. And, um, yeah. yeah, thank you so much. And I yeah, appreciate and you taking a peek at the book. And let's let's make sure we stay in touch. Yeah, absolutely. And the book, again, is uh, When I Stop Fighting, The Unexpected Joy of Getting My Head Out of My Ass by Daryl Dittmers. Make sure if you're listening on audio, um, that's the book to check out. And um, we hope to have Daryl on again soon. I'd love it. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate you, okay. man. Take care, man. You too, man. Thank you.